<laughs> so we're here to do Hitalia podcast. <laughs> Go ahead and give us an intro. <laughs> I, I can do that. Um, Hitalia is a webcomic that... <laughs> what is Hitalia about, really? Uh, no, okay, starting with it. Um, what is Hitalia not about? Really? It's, it's about the wonderful panoply of human experience. Um, yes. Hitalia is a webcomic where the nations throughout history are personified as characters, and generally the comic shows them interacting in amusing ways that are loosely based on their own history. And the Hitalia fandom takes that concept and runs with it. Yes. How's that? That's is good. That good? <laughs> Perfect. This is good, short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we should just all introduce ourselves. I'll go first. I'm Paula Stern. I've been in fandom for uh, since about 2009, 2008, I think, just before the anime came out. It's been a while. And that was mostly on LiveJournal. And I've done some writing for the kink meme and a bit and for fests here and there. But other than that, mostly just quiet. <laughs> um. I'm Pyrrhic Comedy. I wrote for the Hitalia fandom from, gosh, I guess about 2006 to 2009. Does that sound right, Emily? That is so um, wrong. Is it? <laughs> you wrote from like 2000 in early 2009 to about 2011 or 2012, I think, because I Are was sure? 16 in 2006. Yes. That doesn't sound right because we stopped writing like right as the anime came out. Mm, it was definitely like my the second half of my freshman year of college. So right, well, definitely 2009. We'll shut up with your memory of facts and times. The point is, <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, I was, I guess, a, a big name fan in the Hitalia fandom. I mainly wrote for the Russia-America pairing, but I really just wrote lots and lots of historical stuff. Um, I, I love just taking the characters, doing educational things with them, um, I wrote uh, about 60 fics by myself, and I co-wrote this, uh, The Chosen End with Emily, who is also here with us, uh, which was a 150,000-word-long Russia-American <laughs> thing, detailing their entire history together, starting from their first contact during the American Revolutionary War. And um, I also drew a number of educational comics uh, describing different historical events and did a fair bit of fan art as well. So, yeah, it's me. Who's up next? Stick figure theatre is still one of my favourite things. So. Yes, I, that was, those are the comics, stick figure theatre. <laughs> I didn't say they were good comics or had good art. I'm just saying they were educational and funny. <laughs> stick figure well, is in the title, though. Like, yeah, you know. it's not like it's false advertising. If I exactly. say stick figure theatre and then people show up being like, this art is shit. Like, <laughs> what were you expecting? It was what you said on the tin. So... Um, okay, I'll go next. I'm looking at the way the Skype pictures are lined up, so I'm, like, imagining us sitting in a circle, so, okay. Um, my name was Wizard890, and I did a lot of historical fic as well. Um, I co-wrote Chosen End with Pirate Comedy, and, yeah, I mostly really enjoyed doing, um, 
historical fic. I liked uh, drawing from periods I was interested in um, or subjects I was interested in. A lot of times uh, I tried to sort of work in my interest in art and art history, which is uh, something that was kind of a lot of fun to do with uh, personified nations. So uh, yeah, that's me. I wasn't incredibly prolific, unless you count The Chosen End, in which case, yes. But yeah, that's, uh, that's me. Okay, then. So I uh, go by Kixboxer on Tumblr and Counterheist pretty much everywhere else. Um, I got into Vitaly around 2009 timeframe as well. Um, wrote for the kink meme. Wow, I'm kind of blanking. Haven't really been uh, participating so much in the last couple years. I uh, mostly wrote AUs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have a... a Love a good AU a great sense of awe for all people who can write quality historical fic. It's amazing to read. So much work to put into. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, on the, on the AU side of things. Yeah, that's my side of things, too. I'd love to be able to write the long historical ones, but every time I sit down and try, I get a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> the impression I got in, that, in our last call when we were doing this is that the whole idea of historical fix is sort of like this relic of a bygone era. Like, it's like we just showed up speaking Latin and now I've brought another one of my Roman time travelers with me. Salve. Yeah, they do seem to not be quite as common these days. You, you find them still, but mm -hmm. I think the long epic ones of you know early fandom are not quite so common but that's mm -hmm. just so, it's still so strange to me like why mm -hmm. I, I guess i don't really see the appeal of hitalia if you're not using it to talk about history or to talk about you know uh educational events and actual things that are going on i mean history is so fascinating there's the, all the drama and story potential and relationships and stem and drang you could possibly ask for <laughs> But if you take that out, the characters are so one-dimensional. I guess I don't really see the appeal. Um, I guess it's because people, I mean, people work on the historical basis and sort of flesh out the characters on their own, I think is kind of how a lot of people mm -hmm. go about doing it. So they might not be writing, you know, the epic historical-based ones, but the, the ca all the canon stories are all... I mean, there's all that in the background still, so they're working on top of it as opposed to writing about it in a lot of cases. I suppose. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the... Um, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I sort of... Yeah, I think one of the things that actually got discussed a lot in the fandom back in the day was sort of the idea that these characters are in many ways, sort of, I mean, I mean it's technically a, a funny comic. Like, there are some more serious, you know, uh, strips and more serious scenarios that they play with, but for the most part, the stereotypes that they sort of play with with the characters are sort of the, the joking ones that you think about when you think of French people or you think of American people or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, it, I guess it's sort of puzzling to me as well because, I mean, I wasn't here for this last conversation, but I sort of, I, I would imagine that since there's not, um, since you're sort of drawing from the comics themselves instead of building from a historical basis, like taking a different approach with it, is that there's probably a lot of uh, really 
scattered characterization? Like, is that true? Like, is that yeah. something that everyone sort of has to deal with? Very yeah. much so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some characters suffer from that more than others, but... Yes. Well, I mean, that was kind of always the case, but, you know... <laughs> well, sure, look, it was always the case that, you know, certainly bad writers, the only reason you could tell that you were, you know, they were all writing about England, for example, is that they would just have him saying wanker a lot. But, like... <laughs> Every fix that has you know. with a, a written French accent. Yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> the killed. Yeah. The glass of wine just sort of glued to his hand. Uh, look, it's France. Now let's get to the pawn. But, um... I, yeah, like... I don't know. I, it's, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was getting somewhere with that. Now it's gone. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess for, like, speaking personally, like, one of my favorite things about Italian is that, like, you had these characters-ish, and then you had all of history as your canon, which is something that I thought was so great because the, like... There is so much in that situation to write about, and honestly, so many things to learn from fandom, which is something I'd never had that experience in a fandom before, like being educated. So that's something that, like, the fact that you had all of history as your canon to play with is, yeah, that was always kind of really special. <laughs> yeah. And that was always what you used to defend the fandom, uh, because it was always under fire back okay. in those days. Where people would be like, Natalia is so disrespectful. It's, you know, it's just, it's so just terrible. There's, there's definitely a lot of things that are very weird about Natalia that I understand mm -hmm. why they're offensive. But, um, you know, you could always reply to this criticism that, like, how often do you have a fandom where people are learning things as much mm -hmm. as they're, you know, getting off? Like... You, know, you end up with these these fics that just have, you know, footnotes and people... Like, I remember with TCE, we so often had people saying that they were planning on going into government, to going into Russian studies, just because we'd yeah. gotten them interested in the era. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it was just a very easy way to shoot down criticism. Just like, yeah, yeah. maybe, but I made a comic about the Fourth Crusade. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's see that in your Naruto fandom. Like, exactly. step off. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that's always been great. And I do like, especially because the characters are just kind of blank and one-dimensional, you can interpret them in so many different ways in historical mm -hmm. context. And some of the characters I don't read anymore, I don't read be specifically because nobody went very far with them. They were always just kind of flat, even when people were writing historical ones. But I love characters where you can go mm. and find two different fics with completely different interpretations of events and how they would have responded and how it would have been affected by that. And, you know, the difference between the characters as nations and as humans as well has always been really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the bitter wank in back that happens behind the scenes over people's characterization. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> it is that thing too where it's like characterization differences and, and, you know, it is difficult because there is no real, like, like, there's no, like, you can point to canon, but like, it's more like vaguely gesturing towards canon, yeah. like about, you know, what a character would do, what a character is like. And, um, and not only does that lead to like relatively fract fractured interpretations, but like, it pisses people off. Like... <laughs> 
there used to be just the most, I mean, I'm, maybe there still are just like the most bitter arguments and, you know, behind the scenes bitchiness about, you know, someone else's interpretation of a character. Oh, yeah. Kent was telling us last time about a, a great story about how her and Sly got sent an essay about how, with historical references about how Spain would never bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. It was, it was exceptionally awkward. And they would, they would cross-reference against things that we had written. So they had gotten all the way down to the, the middle or the bottom of, of the things that we had written. They must have gotten very involved. It was kind of flattering that they got so engaged <laughs> that they wrote an angry response rant. But yeah, still kind of odd. <laughs> so, yes, engagement. I'm sure they learned something from that. Yeah. <laughs> People do get worked off about the weirdest things sometimes. That is, I mean, I would almost want to, like, take a response like that and frame it just because it's like, look how worked up this person got on the Internet. I did that. That was me. (laughs) I made that happen. I like the idea of somebody who, you know, writes an angry response about how a cartoon version of Spain would never be the catcher in a hypothetical sexual situation and they're willing to be the kind of person about whom that could be said. <laughs> that, yep. to me, is more remarkable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It'd make me want to write lots of Spain bottoming and thick as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or about uh, fictional characters that are landmasses of serious people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes. I keep saying, like... Sue Finwank appearing on my dash or people complaining about it, and I just cannot imagine what that pairing in particular would have to wank about these days. I feel like everything that could possibly be said about it has been said about it already, but people will keep, will keep going, apparently. Note to listeners, Sue Finn is Sweden's last Yes. <laughs> it took me, like, ten seconds. Okay, thank, thank you. That was, <laughs> I was like, Sue Finn. I know half of it's Finland. I mean, okay, got it. I'm <laughs> Sorry, I should be more clear next time. <laughs> It's fine. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there is. I mean, if you're new to the fandom now, I suppose that there's. This is all news to you, and there's, you know, always more things to discuss and sort of, you know, old trails to retread. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 frankly, I'm having a lot of time sort of wrapping my mind my mind around how this fandom would work in a Tumblr setting. So like that's sort of interesting to me. Yeah, like I've always I started in Live Journal obviously and I was there until I think I made it didn't make a Tumblr till like 2011. And I've kind of struggled mm-hmm. to move over a bit. I don't know as much about what's going on in fandom apart from, you know, the people I follow and what they talk about. It's a, I don't know I wouldn't mm-hmm. know who the big name fans were in, anymore whereas, you know, you kind of always had an idea depending on what pairings you I know you read oh, sure. back in Live Journal. It's a lot harder though, but I think there's I feel like there's a lot less fic around generally, but there's a lot more fan art shared, which I guess that's kind of the nature of Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also just the yeah. nature of an older fandom. Yeah. <laughs> that's true mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. It's, a weird, it's a weird, odd place. I feel like there's, I've seen a lot more meta around too that still shows up, which surprised me because like mm. people always find new things to say or like new people finding the same old thing to say, I guess. Is, is the meta at least historical? Yes. Meta is generally right. historical, oh. but I mean, there is a lot of just like character-based things and there's like that one... Tumblr little um, APH headcanons or something, which is just like a couple of sentences on, you know, something you think the character might do or like. Some of those are historical, mm. some of those are not. So. I, I don't know. It just, it, it's very weird being, you know, from this like 
older version of the fandom. Like, because mm. all of my, you know, fondest memories of being in Hitalia are things that it doesn't seem like they really happen in the fandom anymore. Like, uh, I said this in, in the last conversation that we had, but, you know, the, the fandom was so multicultural back then. You know, we, mm. we used to actually be talking to, to Russians all the time because they followed the Russia-America fandom. And mm -hmm. there was actually this cultural exchange going on. And, like, you know, the, the conversations that you'd have breaking out in live journal, you know, they were meta conversations, but they were over things like, how do you think Russia personally felt about the overthrow of czarism? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what do you think was going on in England and France's, you know, evolution of their personal relationship by the time World War II came around and France had already sort of been forced to see uh, England as a potential ally in World War I and now as a potential savior. And how is this affecting his, his ego and what effect is this mm -hmm. going to have given his, you know, Catholicism and his grounding in, in Vichy at the moment. And like, these are the conversations that people were having. And certainly mm -hmm. you sometimes just got like dumb, frivolous conversations too, but they weren't really why anybody seemed to be in the fandom. You know, you, yeah. were, you were in the fandom because you were enthusiastic about the, the way that you could interpret history through this lens of personified nations with these very personal relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things is that Tumblr fandom skews a lot younger than LiveJournal fandom ever did as well. So I know part mm -hmm. of the issue I was finding, just finding people to do this podcast, was looking, this person's very interested. Oh, they're 14 years old. They can't come on here, clearly, because it's 18 plus. <laughs> um, and that happened about four times, so and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But I think a really good gauge of sort of what's going on with what, at least what people want to read in fic, apart from going on to AO3 and having a look there, is actually like the kink meme is still going these days. But it's obviously mm -hmm. a lot quieter. God, I'm like part 300. Oh, God, yeah, it's like... <laughs> 24 or something like that. It's a lot quieter than it used to be. I remember, you know, you'd open up requests and they'd be gone within 20 minutes. Now it takes, you know, mm -hmm. three days for the five pages of requests to fill up or something like that. But I was on there recently having a look around and it's been a while since I've seen any sort of, it, like there used to be a lot of historical requests and there might've been one or two, yeah. but there were a lot of, you know, gender bend requests and alphabet beta omega requests and all that kind of stuff that's shown up that in... Oh, I'll explain it in a moment. You don't want to know what that means. <laughs> All right, yeah, don't tell uh, me. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of that, you know, tropey stuff that's appeared just, like, in fandoms generally in mm -hmm. the kink meme requests now than there ever used to be. I mean, there was that kind of stuff, but there's, like, sure. you know... Yeah, but back in the day, that those prompts were just sort of seen as a bit lame. And, yeah. you know, it tended to be ignored as all of the sexy historical prompts got yeah, filled All the first. cracky, humorous ones. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, Emily and I both got our starts in the fandom writing for the kink meme. Mm -hmm. I never actually wrote any porn for the kink meme. Uh, I really almost never wrote any porn by myself at all. I got incredibly blushy about it. But uh, I would just take these historical... They would just be writing prompts as far as I was concerned and just, you yeah. know, just mm -hmm. go to the kink meme for a prompt and, oh, all right, I'm going to be writing about the, you know, uh, crime syndicates in Italy today because somebody asked for that like why not yeah yeah and it was and it was good too because like there was yeah I I never wrote porn for the kink meme um but like it was 
it was one of those things, like, especially when you were getting your start in Italian, like when I joined the fandom, um, the kink meme is still in its, you know, relative infancy. And that's where most of the writing was taking place. Um, and it was, it was nice going in there looking to write something historical because you'd been interested in the fandom sort of in that light and seeing that someone had requested, you know, um, you know, Russia and France bitching about modern art. <laughs> like that, that's a great prompt. And it's like, it's, it's encouraging when you're someone who is here to write about something historical to know that there's like a built-in audience and other people there who want to hear that, you know, like, I think that's something that gave me a lot of confidence when I started was knowing that there were so many other people who are interested in this aspect of the canon. Yeah, I definitely felt the same way. Like <laughs> I, I read the comics with my imagination was totally lit on fire, you know, how to interpret all of these historical mm -hmm. events through these characters. And then going under the kink meme and, you know, seeing stuff about the Quebec Act or the Time of mm -hmm. Troubles or, you know, the Affair of the Poisons. Like, it was, it was just mm -hmm. fabulous, you know, that, that people were just throwing these things out there, wanting you to interpret it like this. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, it just, it just felt like a very cool place that was really nurturing uh, learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I do think one, I suppose, great thing that has come out of the fandom being so old is I, the few, like, I occasionally see when I do see them historic, the historical requests or the historical fix, they tend to focus on characters that didn't get that much attention earlier in the fandom, like, especially mm -hmm. some of the newer characters as well that have come out only in the past, like, couple of years. Whereas, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. the older, the historical fix, there was a lot of really great pick on, you know, America and Russia and France and England and, you know, all of the, the main, the Axis and the um, Allies, I guess. So now I think mm -hmm. I saw one, I th guess, I think it was the Baltic Trio had a great request. It was a little while ago. It was a few months ago that I saw it. Micronations are getting a lot of attention as well. So it's kind of, I guess, when mm. it gets that old, people start to move into the less, you know, less um, explored areas of the fandom so kent i feel like we've totally shut you out of this conversation <laughs> no, yeah like you are so silent over there i am a quiet person um <laughs> what are your thoughts on this yeah i, I <laughs> speak I, to I, us i liked the uh, diversity of prompt types on the kink meme as well i'm surprised it's still going i haven't been back there in a really long time but mm. it was it was nice to see that it wasn't all filthy porn it has its place in time <laughs> But it was, it was nice to see. Certainly. I, I certainly enjoyed reading some of the filthy porn back in the day. It, just, <laughs> it, it was too much of a giant baby to actually write any of it. <laughs> much the same for me. Yeah. I felt like a 12-year-old boy every time I passed. <laughs> I remember writing one once for the kink meme, actually, and I had to get drunk as hell to actually finish writing it. That's a good it. idea. I should try that sometime. <laughs> I I was falling down drunk by the time I, I submitted the final bit. And I was just like, it's done. Hit floor. <laughs> God. I didn't do that again. I, I've <laughs> Whenever I try, I always get like, even if I'm sitting in a house alone where nobody else, nobody else is living here, I still end up looking over my shoulder in like utter paranoia right. just to make sure that nobody's watching while I, while I write. Okay, I feel like the creepy odd person out then because... <laughs> No. Everyone else is looking over their shoulder, and I'm like, yeah, let's get this done. <laughs> <laughs> this was so important, though, because, you know, uh, The Chosen End, this, you know, huge Russia-America thing that we wrote together, you know, it was, it was a 
love story between America and Russia, just sort of the most dysfunctional one possible, where for most of the time they were broken up and not speaking to each other and maybe trying to kill each other. And, like, mm -hmm. there, there were some uh, romantic scenes in it. And I'm just like, every time you're writing one, I'm just like, thank God you're here. Like, I, I would just be sitting here blushing and none of this would be happening if you weren't here. <laughs> one of us needs to not be terribly repressed. I'll just gently take her hand and be like, no, we can do this. Come on, together. We got this. <laughs> the kink meme is great like that. There's a lot of really strange porn out there. Yeah. And strange and controversial, yep. controversial porn as well. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Well, that was always... Hitalia was always brilliant at that. Uh, just oh being God. really offensive in ways that no other fandom could compete yeah. with. Like, you know, Helsing has its Nazis, but our Nazis were way more offensive. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, and Hitalia really excelled in this way of being <sighs> offensive because nobody took, like, two seconds to think about it. <laughs> like, it... it there was very rarely any kind of malice of forethought. Like, it was, you know, not that, but it was just a lot of people very enthusiastic about these characters who they would forget are analogous to actual nations and actual inhabitants of those nations and actual histories of those nations. And so it, it was easy to go in like guns blazing on things because you really wanted to see them happen. But um, then all of a sudden you, you know, you were stuck and you'd written something offensive or you, you know, done the Nazi salute at a con and um, oh yeah, suddenly you're up shit Creek and the entire fandom is freaking out and rightly so. Yeah. It was just, People, yeah, people just didn't think about sort of the real world implications of their fandom, which is something a lot of fandoms don't have to think about, but Italia really did. Like, I just remember, you know, sometimes, God, just Italia had ways of being tasteless in a way mm. that no other fandom could manage to be tasteless. Nope. And I, I think you're right. It was just people just not thinking and being very into the characters. And mm. the, the most offensive stuff was always when they were very into the characters and they'd heard about something in the news or they'd like just learned about something in class and oh they God. made that Hitalia connection out of Spanish enthusiasm and they threw that out there and it was just like did you really just request Joseph Fritzl in Austria porn? Oh. Is that oh. actually a thing that I'm reading right I now? I never saw like, that and I'm oh. glad. <laughs> God, I, that was, I think, the last day I checked the kink meme. That was, I was like, I'm yep. done. I'm checking out. Here's my card. Like, you can take my badge and my gun. I'm off the force. Um, <laughs> or, like, I remember one of the things that really upset me the most in my time in the fandom. You know, there was always the really ridiculous stuff, things like people sig-hiling to the camera for cosplay I'm sheets. Passover. But Yeah, God. <laughs> I forgot about that aspect oh, of it. Um, <laughs> God. But uh, I remember reading a fic once that was about um, Hungary and Prussia during World War II. And they showed Hungary... It was a, really a bad, tasteless fic all over. But the thing that was so upsetting to me was they showed uh, Hungary as being a willing participant as, uh, of, of the Axis nations. And... Mm -hmm. You know, just because they thought that would be a cool take on the character, right? That, that she was on board with joining the Axis. 
And, you know, maybe that would be a cool take on a character, but if you actually know what happened in Hungary at the outbreak of World War II, that's incredibly disrespectful. You know, Mm -hmm. people died. Like, Mm -hmm. when you talk about actual human beings who died in some of the most tragic events in modern history, and you're writing this fic where wouldn't it be cool that if she just wanted to have sex with Prussia and that's why she was okay with this? Like can't do that mm-hmm. yeah yeah <clears throat> and it's like there was so often that you know because like and no one is denying like maybe if this was like a fictional story that would be a cool direction to go but like but the character's it's name not. is hungry and we're it's talking hungry. about world war ii like you yes. can't just Wish yes. that away. Although this is something that we talked about in the last call with a two thing, oh, yeah. with his like alternate universe, like there's like the dark parallel universe where everybody is evil, and mm. um, I was just like, I actually could totally see why that's a great thing because you yeah, know, Hungary would never join the Axis, but if we're talking about dark like canonical parallel universe Hungary, why not? <laughs> we're not talking about the real nation anymore. Exactly. Yeah, I guess. I never really thought about, about a as like a use of 2P, I suppose. Mostly I just seen it in, in fan art as a recolor, but it is, I suppose that's kind of a good thing in that way. Mm-hmm. It you kind know, of you, divorces it from that. If you're really that committed to seeing the nations as horrible people doing horrible things, and you really shouldn't write fic about that because that's you saying that, you know, England is a horrible nation. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Not a nice thing to say. I think I should just quickly explain what 2P is to the best of my understanding, at least, since we haven't explained mm-hmm. that this time yet. So it's, I think it started off as a canon recolor of some of the Neotalia nation, like the, the mm-hmm. canon gender bent characters, that people mm-hmm. then gave their own personalities to that were separate from the original characters' personalities. And then people started recoloring the other characters and giving them their own personalities too. So there's dip, like mm. among those, ca- there's a certain range of you know the 2P characters that everyone sort of agrees on, and there's also you know 2P of other characters that everyone just sort of makes up their own version of. And from what I've seen, it's mostly a fan art trend and like a you know ask blog trend and that kind of thing. I don't recall mm-hmm. seeing very many fix of 2P, but I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, and like you said, mm. there just isn't as much fic in general Yeah, anymore. that's true. Right. Well, that seems like an incredibly useful concept, like, just <laughs> in the way that we're talking about right now. I feel like it gets used, but you're right, that, that could be quite a useful way for it to be used. Yeah. I'm personally yeah. not into it at all, but, you know, if people like it, then it's good for them, so. Yeah, I wouldn't have been into it even when I was in the fandom just because I would rather be talking about real history and teaching people yeah. things, but, yeah, yeah. 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 And my, um, how much dark fic I read would be extremely limited anyway. I've never been that into yeah. it, so. On top of the historical fic, there is, I do love AUs a lot, like, I have to say, but that's just fandom generally, like, every fandom I've been in, it's always mm-hmm. AUs that tend to be what I gravitate towards, so, and there have been some great mm-hmm. AUs here and there in in Hitalia f- fandom as well, right from the beginning, so. I don't think I was, like, that was never an aspect of the fandom I was interested in, but I know, I had some friends in the fandom who read 
like certain like serialized AUs who like really, really enjoy them. Like, yeah, like I know I had a couple of friends who loved like sort of this, um, it's like famous, like ish. Like it was about, uh, I think it was like a Canada and America fic and it was like set in like, they're both in college. Oh, I know what you're talking about, I think. And like, yeah. And like it was, it went on for a long time and it was very popular. Um, in that way where it's just like, you know, you, you get to read about like two doofy college boys falling in love. Who doesn't yeah. like that? <laughs> like I never read it myself, but like, you know, I can, I can definitely see the appeal. Lots of like coffee shop and restaurant AUs, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. High school AUs were always pretty big, although yeah, I have a limited um, enjoyment of high school AUs. So, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I didn't like high school. They're one of much. the staples of the but, genre yeah. though, you know. Yeah, you really can't not have a high school AU. If you're going to have a coffee shop AU, you got to go oh, all yeah. the way. <laughs> high school AU working in a coffee shop. It's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love um, right out. There's been a lot of – If I don't know if any of you watch uh, Shingeki no Kyojin. Yeah, yep. great. Yes. <laughs> I, wait, I haven't seen the last three episodes, though, so oh, don't Oh, yeah, no spoilers. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to get onto the manga, too, but there's been a lot of – fan art of Hitalia characters like in the 3D maneuver gear and stuff like that and I love that kind of it's because it, <laughs> I, no sorry I cut you off no, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh I just meant because like the whole I've, I've seen a lot of that too for like lots of characters from lots of different fandoms like I've actually seen some of the Hitalia characters cross my dash and like some of other characters from other fandoms and I just like, I'm just like, okay, I'm glad like everyone just kind of got together and agreed that like we all like the strappy bondage flying trapeze, and it's a good look for everyone. Like, just Bond like I'm glad that we all. and capes look great on everybody. Yep, yep. Doesn't matter who you are, what fandom you're in, knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's really a Hitalia thing. I think that's a SNK thing. That just, that's just mm-hmm. going everywhere. Whatever now. it is, I'm enjoying it. So. Yeah, please, more bondage pants. <laughs> just more white jeans in general. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing, yeah, God, one of the, um, I think it's a German cest uh, blog that I follow. A lot of people have been submitting, like, really sad SNK AU prompts, though, and I am enjoying <sighs> that, but it's making me very, very sad. So. <laughs> Nate, for the listeners, German cest, that would be Germany and Prussia because yeah. they're brothers. I don't really yeah. do incest <laughs> pairings very often, but that's, like, the one that I do, so... <laughs> the only one. You're like, I've chosen one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was always something I found interesting about Hitalia. Um, like, I guess in a historical context again, but like also from sort of a character perspective, was these ideas of the nations having sort of families. Like, I always thought that was a very interesting way of like sort of articulating the conflicts and differences um, that happen within certain, like the British Empire or not the British Empire, but the British yeah. Isles, um, or, you know, Russia and his sisters. Like, I always thought that was sort of a very useful way of setting out those conflicts. Yeah, I, I don't know. You mentioned Prussia. I always sort of thought to bring that up. Yeah, and I mean, Prussia and Germany is another good example of that. And um, I've always loved reading about, like, the Nordic group for that reason as well. There's people all, mm-hmm. there's extensive fic written about their relationship like historically and, you know, in modern settings and AUs and that kind of thing. And it's always been really fascinating. And like, there's not nearly enough, but I also love 
uh, fix about France and Spain because that was, I mean, mm. Spain in the one year of university I did doing history, that was, he was, Spain was my focus. So I love reading historical fiction mm. about Spain. So. I always had a lot of trouble characterizing Spain. Um, so did and I. this is something Emily and I used to talk about a lot back when we were in the fandom because we both really liked Spanish history. Mm -hmm. um, but Spain's character, as he's presented in the comic, is very doofy and happy-go-lucky and mm -hmm. just sort of seems like charming and blundery and whatnot. And you're just like, okay, Spain is a character, pan camera to Spanish history. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how to reconcile these two things. I mean, like, the author, he's... I think he's, like, implied in blog posts and stuff that he has, like, a darker side, sort of like, you know, Two-Face, like, Russia, but he never actually, like, worked that into any comics, so I'm not sure how much it could be considered actual canon. But, yeah. yeah it's mm. always... I'm just like, I'd love, to, I'd love to write about Spain. Of course. How do I make this, this, do that? <laughs> yeah. I can't figure it out. <laughs> I think you kind of have to... Yeah take some very big liberties to be able to do it properly because yeah if you do portray him as sort of happy-go-lucky while things are going on like in a historical fic that in itself it's kind of insensitive as well yeah i would say so <laughs> yeah. slightly yeah. tasteless you know, we're talking about the slaughter of millions i feel like mm -hmm. being yeah. really don't stay too upbeat during that about it is a little uh inappropriate Mm, yeah, yeah. And with, I don't know, with Russia, it was, I mean, he did have this sort of, get air quotes, two-faced personality in the comics, um, and that never sort of came into play with Spain. But I just feel as if, like, with Russia, even with that, there was a lot more to work with. Like, with Spain, I just kept running up against, like, I've, I always wanted to write sort of the God, gold, and glory fic with Spain. Like, it would have been, you know, I always have been interested in the El Dorado legend. That whole thing would have been very fun and very interesting to do. Um, but there's just no bridge there at all. With Russia, there's some, you can, like, stand on him and see sort of where that could come from. Like, but with Spain, it was just kind of a, I mean, for me personally, kind of a total loss. Yeah, we, like, we tried. We, like, sat down and tried to figure out how to make it work, and we, we mm -hmm. never got anywhere. Yeah. For what it's worth, there's a lot of, like, dark Spain sort of fan art. But, I, yeah, I haven't really seen mm. anybody do it in thick so much. Yeah, no, I've seen some incredible, like, conquistador yeah. Spain fan art that just absolutely mm -hmm. breathtaking. Yeah, but. he always looks really kicking in pantaloons. <laughs> That's a good look for him. Yeah. The bullfighter oh, pants. God. I like those as well. Mm. Great. That's a nice trend, yeah. <laughs> well, his ass is beloved throughout the whole of the fandom, on. so... <laughs> yeah, that was just sort of something, you know, the characters were very one-dimensional, but... And they tended to be very stereotypical. You know, you had your big, loud American who loves hamburgers and doesn't really sweat the details and knowing facts, air quotes. Um, or, you know, France just being very superior and, you know, caring about fashion and food and whatnot. Or England just being a bit of a prick. But you could sort of take those little kernels and kind of extrapolate a personality around them, just sort of build something off of that. Yeah, my approach is always sort of to make sure that got in. 
You know, yes. just make sure it ends up in there. <laughs> you can do whatever else you want. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you get England being a prick in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just get America being a ditz at some point. Just so you can be like, look, he did it. Are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> no, Am I no, canon like, yet? Like, you know, this is the same character. We're just showing him under very different circumstances that he's appeared mm-hmm. in usually. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, you could do like what summer fandom does with some of the characters and just throw it out entirely and write what your version of the character would be. <laughs> At that point, though, are you even really writing fanfic? Like, yeah, well, <laughs> sort of original fic in a lot of ways. Especially um, if it's not historical at that point. You're like, so you're not writing history fic, and it's entirely your own characterization. Other than the name, what do you have in common with the comic anymore? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there have been a few fics like that over over time. There was one a while back, which was actually really great, but like it was a gender bent America, I think, and England, and England was very much still sort of in character, but like gender bent. America was quite different, and it was am- it was an amazing fic, but it read like original fic. At least it was yeah, good. Yeah, it was good. Can't even remember what it was called because it was like two years ago, but you know, I remember it was good. So mm. there's something. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, I'm coming in. Y'all have already talked about everything. <laughs> Just like, oh, sorry for the retread. No, team. no, that's cool. It's good because you know, obviously. Uh, listeners will be confused if we just skip over lots lots of things, but it's a bit hard to... No, I don't feel like explaining the fandom again. Oh, Fuck it. <laughs> if you're here, you know what it's about. Uh, yeah, Hatalia fandom is interesting. It, you know, It's one of those fandoms that from the outside, you just kind of look at it and it's it's baffling. But, you know, once you're in, you're in for life. <laughs> <laughs> Except the fact that we yeah. are out. I'm just thinking back to that very weird time, you know, when we left, Emily and I left, and, mm-hmm. but, like, it wasn't just us. There was just this Everyone mass left. exodus of pretty much all of the prominent fanfic writers at once as the uh, mm-hmm. Anon meme really took off, and the fandom just reached that point that all fandoms seem to reach where they just turn against all of the content producers at once. Mm-hmm. And just sort of drive them en masse out of the fandom. And Emily and I were actually quite lucky. We we really weren't attacked at all. But no. we just got so sick of the toxic atmosphere that had taken hold in the fandom. And, of course, we mm-hmm. were friends with a lot of the other uh, prominent fic writers. And so we would get pissed off at just how our friends were being treated. Like, mm-hmm. it just it just became a really ugly place. And, you know, we, we all left at once. And then we were just like, who's going to be writing the, you know historical fic now that like all of us are gone and apparently the answer was not really anybody yeah i remember there being a lot of like just people yelling and getting really upset at people for not writing fic exactly the way that they want it to be written or for not interacting enough with people or for interacting too much with people and all that kind of stuff Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Taking like one thing people would say out of context and then just using it to run them forever, the forever. Yeah. It was really just ugly. Like, mm-hmm. good lord. Yeah, yeah. Or like just the uh, that things would be dredged at that point in the fandom. Things were dredged up that were said years before and then used <laughs> as you know indictments of people's character afterwards and it kept happening 
to so many different people. It was just that point where the fandom becomes sort of, I guess, complacent and bored. So instead of reading fic or producing fic or art, they just sort of, you know, go after one another. (laughs) The fandom just cannibalizes itself. Exactly, because they're bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... No, I mean, you know, you can say, oh, you know, nobody ever leaves the fandom, and it's not, it's really not true. It, you know, from Emily, the perspective of Emily and I, you know, as far as we knew, everyone left the fandom. Everyone we knew left the fandom because we were mostly talking to other writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's always a shame when yeah. that kind of thing happens too. But yeah, the fandom, I mean, it's, it's changed a lot. I'd say it's pretty far from dead, even though the fix side of stuff has slowed down. There's a lot a lot going on, in, at least on the fan art side and on Tumblr still. So, And it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it's nearly as ugly as it was when we no. left. I mean, st- yeah, yeah, stuff still happens occasionally, but, like, you know, every time there's no, a national does. disaster of some sort, you know, the, mm-hmm. people start drawing, you know, inappropriate fan art and, all ki- and doing all kinds of stuff. But it, I feel like it's less than it used to be, at least, I guess the people who have been in fandom for a long time have learned and they try to regulate the people who are new to fandom and then the rest of the fandom sort of picks it up and it regulates itself quite well. Or the myth where pages go by so quickly and things get lost, so there could be things festering up around but no one ever sees it. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point, actually. (laughs) It's probably for the best in that case, then. The one beauty of Tumblr. Unless you bookmark it, you're never going to see it again, so... I guess also, since it is on Tumblr and there really aren't, you know, big-name fans anymore, like, there's not really easy targets for that kind of, you know... There's no, like, people that everybody has an opinion about anymore. Mm-hmm. No. So you don't really get that sort of, like, you know, headhunting kind of drama. The one thing I, I mm-hmm. have seen a lot sort of recently is I follow a few role players because role-playing is a thing that I always wish I could do but never actually have done, so... It's interesting to, mm-hmm. to watch, you know, people do it. So there have been a lot of people sending, like, anon messages to role players who uh, role play the character in a way that they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like, most of the time, I don't think the people receiving that would, like, publish it and make it, you know, public what's been said to them. But, like, friends of theirs will make posts about it just being, like, mad, and that's how... It's sort of, you sort of know that it's happening, and that happens quite frequently, from what I have understood. And there, but there, you know, there are lots and lots of role players on on Tumblr, so I don't understand why anyone would need to get mad at one of them for not role playing how they want. When you know, there's always going to be like 15 other role players for the same character that they can go watch instead. So, you know, it's always the question, though. Like, you know, why are you complaining about our interpretation of this event in this fic? If you didn't like it, you could have just read something else, but. Yeah, and there's plenty like of it. Flight. Incoherent rage is the sincerest form of flattery, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The sincerest form of psychosis, maybe. <laughs> Whatever you're doing clearly made somebody feel a lot about it, so it's something, I guess. <laughs> you know you're doing something right when you get somebody mad at you. But yeah, like um I do like that there's a lot of there's a lot of like translators on Tumblr too, which is great because you get there's so much Japanese art. Mm. Obviously, I don't read or speak Japanese that I just never would... Like, I'd see it and it'd be interesting, but I'd never quite understand exactly what's going on without, like, there's a lot of people translating these days. So I've been able to mm-hmm. sort of get, I guess, a much broader picture of the fandom as a whole. And that's fan art and, do- and like, doujins and stuff. Like, there was always doujin translators on LiveJournal, but, like, 
there were little fan comics and stuff on Pixiv that just would go untranslated. Do you still have things like um, foreign language fandoms kind of being supported off of the English fandoms? Like, uh, you know, again, there's something that we saw a lot with the with the Russian fandom because we were writing for uh, so much fic involving Russia that, you know, so often you would have the English language fics that, that we were writing and that other people in the Russia-America fandom were writing being translated into Russian and mm-hmm. hosted onto the Russian fandom, and then the Russians would leave comments, which the translators would then translate back <laughs> into English so that we could then answer them. And, like, do things like that still happen? Yeah, well, I've... um. I've seen a lot of Russian fic around still. I, like, I don't delve into it because I don't know Russian either. But, like, uh, yeah, Russian fic, Spanish fic. There's a lot of people who translate, do, like, uh, doujins and stuff into, you know, French or Spanish or Chinese. And there's a few German-speaking role players around as well. So there's mm-hmm. still a lot of that. Like, it's there's people from all over the world who are still into Italia fandom, so it's one of the beauties of it, I guess. I have a question. Did the anime ever take off? Yes. Like, yeah, because we left the fandom when the anime had let out, like, just a handful of episodes, and there was some wank about it, generally. But, um, yeah, by the time uh, it sort of was into the first season we were gone and I always sort of wondered if it had gained any traction at all as like a canonical source or do people usually defer back to the manga um I don't know about it being used as a canonical source but it it, I mean it certainly gained popularity like it's just got its fifth season or its sixth season or something like that and they've got new artists which are hailed as much better than the old ones so and it, it's true, but yeah. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, no, the that. old the old art no. was not great. Um, but yeah, there's and there was always drama about it. It had a dub, and the dub came with all of the wank mm-hmm. that it you'd think it would bring. So, but yeah, it's I mean it's still ongoing. So I haven't watched it in a little while. Oh, very but, cool. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I guess we should sort of so like what sort of characters you love you love. Why do you love them? what pairings are really involved in. Kent, you haven't said much, so maybe if you want to take this one. Because I know you you write mostly, you, well, you wrote mostly um, Spam Anno for a while, so. I did write mostly um, Spam and Romano stories. I kind of got into it as it was one of those side pairings that was always there when I was reading other fics, and I thought, oh gosh, there's that thing again. Um <laughs> As I read more of their actual strips where they were featured, I thought it was more interesting. Yeah, okay, I can I can get behind this. And then I would read six um, of them as little Romano, that little bratty kid in Spain's house, thinking, oh, God, no, I can't get behind that. Can't get behind that. <laughs> and so there exists, like, this divide in my head, and I'm sure there is some historical fiction that is able to, to bridge the gap, but I have yet to see it in a way that's not super creepy, where <laughs> kid in a deal with living in Spain's house, you know, your own country, except for not at all. Um, and then the grown-up Romano, not living at Spain's house unless 
you're you're going by those characterization where he essentially just kind of sits on Spain's couch all the time and is not his own person. Um, how, you, how you deal with someone who used to be your boss? Yeah, I, I read Spamano too. I find like you do occasionally run into fix that have like a creepy sort of wife husbandry thing going on with with Spain and Romano. But, like, I do find it really – you can sort of – there's a lot you can work with there in terms of their relationship. Mm-hmm. I do – because I like making myself sad occasionally. I like the ones where their feelings for each other are completely different and it just doesn't work because of the way they've been raised. Like, um, maybe Romano grows up having a crush on Spain and Spain's like, no, basically you're my son slash little brother. <laughs> I like seeing those two, although it doesn't happen quite as often. Or Spain's like, oh, oh, child, oh, shit, you grew up. <laughs> And reminds my older brother, you're not a pretty girl, get away from me. <laughs> Which is a perfectly reasonable re- response to that, to be honest. Yeah, a little different ways to write that relationship, which you could feel more in line with the different time periods of the characters as the comic strip, comic strip gave them to us, or maybe a little closer towards actual attitudes in history. It's always funny to see those borderlines, those boundaries where the strips kind of veered off and went a little bit weird so you can follow closer to them or close to maybe what actually happened. Yeah. There's a lot of occasions in the um, in the comic and in sort of fan interpretations that don't really match up with, I suppose, real-life attitudes between actual mm-hmm. people in actual countries and attitudes towards historical events. So it's interesting to work with. I always felt like it wasn't necessarily so important to capture the attitudes of the people at the time as having the emotions that the characters feel for each other make logical sense if you pull back and sort of view the full timeline of their history as an ongoing narrative. You Mm -hmm. know, like individual English and French people might have warmed up to each other by this point in history, but individual human beings' memories are short. England and France's memories are very long. So you can interpret these two, you know, their rivalry is still burning quite a bit harder than it is for the people on the ground, I suppose, just based on how you want to look at them as if this was just a relationship that they were having in their lives in a more normal time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, well, you think about something like France and England, and it is, yeah, I, I read this article recently about, um, so this is not off topic, it just sounds like it is, um, about uh, there's a French artist who is doing uh, installations in Trafalgar Square, who has sort of purchased space in Trafalgar Square. And um, the first exhibition she is doing is this, you know, giant French cock. Um, and it's just the blue, it's just the blue, you know, and they always call it the French cock, not the French rooster. So I'm just going to let them have that one. Um, and for obvious it, it, reasons, I think it's much oh, funnier that way. It's hilarious. I can't keep a straight face even now. I'm glad we're not on video chat. Um, but so there's, you know, this giant French 
Woodcock. That's in Trafalgar Square. And um, and how is France not laughing his ass off about this? Of course. And, and the English are kind of pissed. Like, <laughs> if you interviewed a random English person on the street, I'm sure they would just be like, you know, it's fine. Like, the people who have been interviewed and talked to about this are like, you know, we don't care. Like, I kind of like it. It's kind of goofy. Like, it's fun. But as sort of a national response, the response is, must you really? And I feel like that's kind of the, the, the tone you're going for, where it's just like the individual people, but like Arya said, you know, individual people's memories are short and they can change their feelings about another country far more quickly than the country of England can change its feelings about the country of France putting a giant French cock in Trafalgar Square. Having seen that statue, so, it is incredibly goofy. <laughs> really funny. I love it. I love it. It's just bright yeah. blue. It's great. It really out of place, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that sort of pulling back and looking at this in the long term, you know? Yeah, and, and you can even take something like France and England and turn it around, though, and be like, mm-hmm. all right, so they've hated each other for a thousand years. I think everybody pretty much agrees on that. But you can also look at it and say, all right, they've hated each other for so long, but intermittently they've had to be on the same side. They've had to work through common interests. They've had these strange exchanges of favors and mm-hmm. finding themselves at a disadvantage and needing to apply to each other for help and occasionally even granting it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can look at it and say, all right, right now the people of England and France probably really did just hate each other's guts, but the nations of England and France might be able to remember all of their history and mm. think of each other as strangely reliable, at least as a fixture in their lives and as somebody that they know very well, even if they don't necessarily like that person, then, mm-hmm. and then this relationship sort of engenders a certain perverse loyalty, just yes. if only on the basis of, I am going to be sick of your face every day for the next thousand years, and I wouldn't really know what I would do with myself if you weren't there for me to want to punch you anymore. <laughs> Who exactly. even am I without my desire to see you suffer? <laughs> and that's that's very ripe ground for shipping, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> oh, yes, please. <laughs> and I love that kind of thing, like just the, you know, utter backstabbing and that kind of nonsense that's going on in history as well and, like, how you could reconcile that in a ship sort of sense with a modern time. like Sure, like uh, one of... Another ship that Emily and I wrote a lot for and that we were big fans of was France and Russia, who mm. have a very long history of very close relations, actually. Uh, France and the Soviet Union had a special relationship all through the Cold War, where France was really the only Western nation that mm-hmm. Russia had good ties with. And, um, of course, Peter the Great, France was very responsible for bringing Russia into the modern era and into the West in the first place. And... St. Petersburg, the city, is basically just a giant love letter to (laughs) France from Russia. So they have these very warm relations. And then they have the Napoleonic invasion. Mm -hmm. And you have to sort of look at this relationship and be like, all right, these two are friends. It's it's very hard to look at these two in their history together and say that they're not friends. Um, Mm -hmm. Right up to this day, they, they still get along quite well and still like each other a great deal. 
But there's this thing that happened once where France invaded with 600,000 people and set fire to Moscow and mm -hmm. Russia killed them all and ended up shattering France's empire. And it's like, this is something like, you know, if you have a friend and you sleep with their boyfriend once and you stay friends after, but there's always going to be this thing that happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yep. I, we're, we're good friends. We've been friends for a long time, but I did steal your car. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. and there's no getting around that. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just taking sort of an event like that and just not forgetting about it. You know, they may be friends now. They may have been friends for the entire, you know, run of the Soviet Union, run of the Soviet Union. Um, but yeah, it's just you can't forget. It's, it's you know, it's pulling back and seeing the long view. Because, you know, if you let your relationship after someone stole your car, that's great. But um, sort of take the car stealing into account. And, you know, it's uh, one of those things that people seem to be very confused about if they're outside the Hitalia fandom, where they, they don't mm -hmm. understand how you can conceive of relationships between two countries because politics is always so moment to moment. And basically all poly politics is very sociopathic and self-interested and alliances shift decade to decade or even year to year and people who were great friends, you know, in the nineties and now at each other's throats. And, you know, so how do you, how do you end up actually having these, these concepts of these long-term relationships, whether they're romantic or otherwise? Um, and it's just like, yes, politics changes moment to moment, but the nation's memories are very long and this is going to average out into an impression for them. You know, mm -hmm. where, yes, you stabbed me in the back that one time, but it's a bit like, you know, in, in the run of your long friendship where if a friend just says something really offensive to you once and you're like, well, you're a dick, but I still love you. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have to actually sort of see it as this ongoing narrative, not a series of completely disjointed events, which is what it often actually is. Yeah, I think when you're talking about, like, also not just historical fic, but, like, AUs, I think a lot of people, or, you know, human stories and stuff like that, people run up into the problem a lot where they're trying to transfer that to a, a situation where they're not nations, and you mm. get some really odd characterizations, even, like, people hating each other for no reason right off the bat, or people, like coming up and suddenly having this relationship with a person they've just met with no explanation and stuff like that. So, or people relying on, I guess, fandom memes in, in response instead of properly characterizing, which is always a problem in every fandom, I guess. But all right. So, um, do we want to do fic recs now? All right. Well, I'll go first if that yep. sounds good. Um, I have two fics to recommend. One is by a writer named DJ Soliloquy. Well, I don't think that's actually her name, just a hunch. But she wrote a fic called A Little More Spark, which is a historical fic about the Hungarian Revolution um, in which she writes from the perspective of Poland, which was allied to Hungary for this war. And it's really about how these 
Eastern, well, the, the nations that we now sort of think of as the Eastern Bloc tend to be caught between these larger powers and are just constantly being pushed and pulled and the trouble of maintaining your autonomy and your personal identity in a situation like that, uh, specifically in this case being caught between Austria and Russia as they're, you know, both pulling to make sure that Poland and Hungary don't actually uh, gain independent footholds in Europe. It's funny and tragic and wonderfully characterized and one of my favorite fics that I've ever read in the fandom. Um, the other one is actually a fic by my co-writer, who's with us, called uh, Here's Tomorrow, which is about the history of modern art between England and France. And France, just how much France hates the new British artists and what England has done to visual art in the last half century, and England being a smug shit about it. Uh, it's screamingly funny. You will learn a lot. You'll learn about all of these important uh, movements in modern art. And it's got that horrible dead shark in it. And <laughs> France having what may actually be a complete meltdown as an individual. It's, it's great. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read in the fandom. Emily, you want to go next? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, well, uh, freaking awkwardly, I also brought Effect by DJ Soliloquy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> she uh, wrote a fic called Beyond the Impossible High Score, um, <clears throat> which oh is about... God. I uh, love this, this fic. Is, this is a, a delightful little fic about um, America attempting to beat Russia's Tetris High Score. <laughs> and, um, I, I mean, just that summary is pretty much all you need to know. Um, Tetris but, is a Russian game for anybody listening. Yes, yes. It was uh, invented in, I believe, 1987 or 89 by a Soviet computer programmer. And um, so Russia is understandably quite good at it and is sort of uh, surprised by, where, by why America is surprised that he is so good at it. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the characterization is wonderful. It's very funny. Um, and it's also just one of those interesting little fix that people would often get an opportunity to write in Italia where the nations would sort of get to participate in their own culture, either with, you know, playing Tetris or, you know, any any sort of uh, thing that their country had produced. I always enjoyed seeing them uh, interact with it and seeing their opinions and feelings on it and um, just be really good at it for no reason, like Russia. Um, but yes, it's a great fic. It's very funny. Um, and I honestly can recommend pretty much everything she wrote. She's very, very talented. Um, my second fic that I brought has, was also written by my co-writer, who is here with us now. There's um, so much nepotism going on here right now. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. But, uh, you know, I'd recommend this even if she wasn't my co-writer, so psh, there you go. Um, but this is a fic called The Fishwives March, which is one of my favorite fics um, in the entire fandom. Um, and it is uh, relatively short, and it's the moment when France turned against the monarchy uh, during the French Revolution. And um, it actually reads a bit like a short horror film, um, which is very good if you like that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, it really explores sort of uh, nations' relationships with their bosses 
and um, their personal feelings about these people balanced with the, the shifting uh, movements within them as nations. And um, it also plays with the idea of, because there's sort of idea in fandom that uh, France went mad during the French Revolution. And um, we don't see that here, but we see the moment of change and we see how quickly those shifts can take place within countries. And uh, that's always something that I thought Italia was great at exploring. And this fic, I think, is honestly the best example of that. All right, Kent, maybe do you want to go next? Sure. Um, let's see. Well, first, I think I wrecked Super Heroic. It was this um, fic from a kink meme a while back. It was a Spain Ramona story where Spain took it upon himself to become a superhero and fight crime inside of himself. And it's about... <laughs> it is hilarious. Uh and then Romano unwittingly joins his fan club w- along with several other nations. And, it, and it's awkward and wonderful. And France and Prussia decide to be supervillains. Not very good at it. And, and in shenanigans are pretty much. Ridiculous shenanigans occur and it is hilarious. Uh, the second thing I would wreck, there was a prompt on the kink I think it might have spurred a couple fics, and I obviously do not have the link, but I will search it for you, where someone posed that the nations find coffee table books and travel brochures to be like porn. <laughs> and so the one... Get a look at those windmills. ...go to a travel agency and pick these glossy brochures of these vistas and rolling hillsides and he was so embarrassed about it and the travel agent was thinking who's that weirdo and he brings it out in a paper bag and they're looking at these fields and oh my goodness and it was just a really good exhibition of they look like people but they're not really <laughs> so I will find that for you I, I think I lost it for my bookmarks but that's a I'm bringing a silly fix. So those are the facts. Good. Um, okay, so I'm going to wreck a couple of AUs, I think. First off, there's a... It's a kink meme, Phil. I actually still... I do know who wrote it, I thought. As far as I'm aware, they never DNOned, so I'm not going to DNON for them. Um, it's an extremely long sort of... It's like a space opera-esque... AU set in the future. So it's called um, Sold to the Highest Bidder. It's on the kink meme. It It's about you've got this sort of universe where well, people, they keep slaves, basically, but they're bondsmen. So it's a bit different from, like, slavery as you'd know it in in like real life. They're basically, like, very, very expensive luxury items kind of thing. But you've got a huge ensemble cast of different people doing different things within this world. So you've got, like, the Nordics as, like, this... They're basically working to take down the the bondsman trade very, very slowly and hiding from the government, being chased by Turkey and Greece who are, like, bumbling... Not quite incompetent, but they spend too much time arguing with each other to actually get anything done, sort of, like, agents of of, um, 
I can't remember what the agency is called, but like the bondsman control agency or something like that. And you've got Russia as the prince of uh, a different planet or half of a planet who's, well, his sister is currently in control and there's, you know, a band of people, of rebels trying to take him down. And I don't want to go into it too far, but it, there's a lot going on. It's really amazing. Everyone should go check it out. Also, uh, I should note that there's probably a, the best interpretation of China I've ever seen. It's actually really hilarious and charming. He doesn't come into into it until like sort of towards the end of the fic, but it's worth just reading his section. It's very funny. Um, my second fic rec is I'm going to do what you two did to Kent this time is a it's called Blood Like Pasta is Thicker Than Water. It's on the full thing on the kink meme or on on the Counter Heist live journal. Uh, I, you're putting up on AO3 now too, I think, but last time I checked it wasn't up there completely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, AU again. It's human AU where Romano is like a, you know, probably not the boss, but like pretty high up in the mafia in Italy and his brother is a famous artist and a group of people, so America, Hungary, Iceland, France, uh, Estonia. Don't think I'm missing. Am I missing anyone? Anyway, I don't think so. They go and they rob, they rob um, Feliciano of all his gold bars, which he keeps all his money as, and go. And then it's so it's basically Romano trying to get all the gold back. There's a bunch of you know police involved as well, and it's just, yeah, it's just really great. So it's kind of lots of hijinks going on. Check that out too. And I'm also going to, just as a side wreck, there's an author called Milk who wrote several Nordic, so mostly around Denmark, fix long ones a while back, but I'm going to recommend one called Gutters, which is an apocalypse AU. It's very, very, very sad if you ever want to get into it, but it's basically Denmark. The world is pretty much ended, and Sealand is in a, a bunker in Germany, somewhere near Munich, and Denmark finds him there, and then they go off on a quest to find the rest of their family up north. And it's beautiful and tragic, so you should check that one out too. So my Rex, and I'm just reminded, I <laughs> there's a German cest fest thing on Tumblr that I need. I've signed up for, sort of. That's due in like two days, and I've barely worked on it at all. So I should probably get back onto that <laughs> immediately, but. <laughs> That is the story of every fic exchange yeah, ever. Yeah, pretty much. So I am notorious for else. finishing all of my fics within like two days before the due date, regardless of how long I have to do them. But like, at least I sort of plan them out first. The only time that I didn't have it all sort of planned out and just need to write it was um, the last, I think, Nordic Nordic Palooza this year, but that's because I was planning to travel and I just completely forgot about it until the last week. And it was like a week before I was leaving too when it was due and it was just like messy. So I ended up writing some really, really terrible porn at 2 a.m. and just putting that up instead. I'm sure they were happy with it. I'm sure. At least you got it done. (laughs) That's how I look at it. I tried. Yeah, there you go. All right. So so thank you, everybody, for coming. Sure. I hope we've given you some material you can work with. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having us. I I hope that it wasn't too, uh, you know, just rabbit trail. <laughs> That's all right. No, it's been good. Thank you all for coming. So it was a lot of help and have a good rest of the day or 
evening, depending on where you are, I suppose. Sorry, my phone is going off. Super awkward. You can edit that out. <laughs>